Man, good morning. You know, that's not bad for stepping up and filling in for somebody. Amen. I'm telling you what. Yeah, I tell you, listen now. If, if that didn't get you going, your wood is too wet. Yeah, you, you need to get out in the sunshine and get your wood dried off. And speaking of wood dried off, that's kind of the introduction to my message this morning. The sermon title is Rekindled. And y'all don't know this about me, maybe. But back in the good old days, um, I was a wood burner like Brent. And um, I probably yeah, started in Lamont. And we got us a wood stove, and I became a wood burner. Uh, actually, before that, we were wood burners in, in Warrensburg. And then we moved to Lamont. The, uh, the church was kind of put us in a chimney. They didn't have a chimney. And we put a chimney in, and we burned wood. And then we moved to Warrensburg, or to Cobden. Then we got one of those wood furnaces. Now, you like this. These puppies. This is the kind of furnace that takes the logs this long and this big around. You, listen, you don't place the wood in there. You chuck it. You open that door, stand back seven feet, and chuck it in there. And I mean, this thing would hold a fire, Brent, just about all night long. And here's what's incredible. That was our heat. It wasn't a source of heat. It was our heat. I had an oil burner also, and I filled it up the first time, you know. And it cost me about $300 and lasted about 30 days. And that's when I had a revelation. I can't afford that. And so that's when I started burning wood all the time. And it's really cool because, you know, we'd go on vacation. We'd come back and the house would be like, literally, I'm not being exaggerated, it'd be about 46 degrees. And then so we'd have to go down there and start the fire. And so what I discovered was there was times in the wood burning business that you had to build a fire. There's sometimes you had to rekindle the fire. And there's sometimes that you just had to feed the fire. And the difference was this. Sometimes the fire was totally out. I mean, there were no coals. You always prayed for a few coals. Sometimes, though, there were those glowing embers, like in the morning, and you'd go in there and chuck the wood in there, crack the door open a little bit so you'd get a little bit of air going through there, and then before long you had a nice roaring fire. But sometimes, you know, you just go down there and you open the door, and there's, boy, it's just going to town. It's just going to town. So you just chuck some wood in there, and away you go. So sometimes you build the fire, sometimes you rekindle the fire, and sometimes you feed the fire. But here's the deal. There was one indicator about what kind of fire you had. And that was the warmth of the house. Now, if I went down there and I had no fire and the house was cold, duh. Sometimes, though, I'd get a good bed of coals and, and the thermostat would kick on. It was controlled by a thermostat. And, but, but you know it cycled off and on. You know what I'm talking about? It just cycle off. The family would come on and go off. And I knew I didn't have quite enough fire. But if the fire was right, the temperature would reflect that upstairs in the house. If I said on 75, it stayed a nice, constant 75. The sole determining factor was if the heat was burning down in the basement was the influence it had in the house. Did you know that's just how it is with God? See, some of us today, our fire has gone out. We need a good dose of the Holy Ghost revival. We need God to once again remind us, like Brother Dave just sang, about the happy day when Jesus Christ washed our sins away, when our feet went away, went from the trail of hell leading to hell to the trail leading to heaven, where our feet were once going to, to a place of eternal punishment. We went into the glory of the cross and the glory of heaven. We need to be reminded of that. And some of us, though, the coals are glowing. But they're not going as brightly as they could. And yet in some people's lives, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in your life. And you know it's working in your life because of the evidence 
But remember this, the, in, the, the, the greatest evidence of where you are with God is what impact you are making in the world. It's not whether you go to church. It's not how much money you throw on the offering plate. It's what impact are you making in the world. Now, today we have an incredible story about a guy named Asa, and it's found in 2 Chronicles 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 in your Old Testament, about midway through 2 Chronicles 15, verses 1 through 12. And we want to tell the story of Asa. Now, here's the deal about Asa. If you looked up in, in chapter 14, you'd see that he became king, and he had a daddy that pretty well did things right. And so, like, like father, like son, son, like father, so Asa also did things right. He started off. So we're not talking about a man who was way, we're not talking about a man whose fire was out. But we're talking about a man who was glowing pretty brightly and some would say was in full blaze of God and his power. We see him coming back from a battle, a battle in which it seemed like and was true that only God could deliver it. Because the Ethiopian army, and the Bible says, the number was near a million that he defeated this massive army, armor, not army, army, not by his power, but the power of Almighty God. So as he's coming back with all this plunder from defeating the Ethiopian army, we see then a man runs out to meet him. And the Bible says in verse number one, the spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Obed. Now, here's what's cool about Azariah. You will find him no other place but right here. He was a prophet of God that God rose up perhaps for this purpose of talking to this man, Asa. And it's the only time mentioned, of course, you won't find Dwayne anywhere in the word of God. Nor will you find Ralph, so don't you know, think that. You, know, you might be able to find a few Stevens and Johns, but you won't find any Dwayne's or Ralph's in there. So the fact that he got mentioned once is pretty cool, amen? Come on, amen? Okay, so, so here's what happens. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him. Now, what follows now is something hugely important. Here's what he says. Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Can I read that again? Because that's just way significant. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. And if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Now, this is huge. Because let me tell you what. In, in Western theology, we had this idea. And here's the idea. That we are not God followers, but rather God is supposed to follow us. God exists for us. We don't exist for God. And we have exactly the opposite of what it should be. Listen. God does not exist so that we can do life the way we want to do life, Edith. Just going on our milly way. And just like a little puppy dog, we expect God to follow after us. And just, you know, when we need Him to come out, say, get Him, boy. It's not like that at all. You see, we do not ask God to follow us, but rather God is the one to be followed. Does that make sense? Come on, does that make sense? I'm telling you, so often God seems so far away is because we're doing our own thing. 
Listen, we don't exist. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not exist to do your own thing. Rather, you exist to do God's thing. And we need to learn that in Western culture. And can I be very candid? Some of you whose fire has gone out, that's why it's happened. You went, you went your way and see, you kind of got in your brain that God's just going to, if you go this way, that God's going to follow you. No, it's like the nation of Israel. When the nation of Israel stopped following God, it's not that God abandoned them. They walked away from God. And some of you today whose fire has gone out, but you come to church, but can't be truthful with you. You know, and I both know there's no quiet time in your life. The only time you pray is when you want God to do something you want Him to do, to heal somebody you think is sick, or to give you a job, or give you a promotion. Come on, that's your, the extent of your relationship with God is superficial. The biggest thing you do for God is show up every week on Sunday morning. And what's happened is, is that you've got your idea of what God should do, and the idea consists of this, I'm going to do my thing, and God's supposed to follow me. Turn around, He's not there. And it's not that He's abandoned you, he just went the opposite direction. I said it before and I'll say it again because I know we have guests today. God is God. He's not the tooth fairy. He's not the Easter bunny. He's not Santa Claus, nor is he a vending machine. He is creator God. He is almighty. He is awesome. He's omnipresent. He's all wise. He is creator God and you are the creative one. You are the creative one. And I'm telling you what, it's an awesome thing when we come to relationship with God. It's an awesome thing when we understand, follow Him. You know why? He never gets lost. He never takes a wrong turn. We, how many of y'all got decisions in your life that you look back and go, boy, that was stupid? All of us do. All of us do. You know, God, not one time, if you're going to have a conversation with God, say, hey, God, was, was there ever a time when you said, like, boy, that was stupid? And God said, that just never occurred to me. Because every turn, every way, every plan of God is perfect. And, and Azariah says to Asa, listen, you're doing a good job. You have, you have great reforms. But I'm telling you, if you want to stay with God, you've got to stay with God. Listen... Sometimes churches come with grandiose plans. And then we say, God bless our plans. Here's a Henry Blackaby moment. Here's a better idea. Find out what God is doing. Join him and he will bless it. He will bless it. The reason so many churches are in trouble today is because they're doing their own thing and not the God thing. We need to do. We need to do. The God thing. He goes on a bit further. He says, a little bit later on, he says, The Lord is with you when you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. And if you abandon Him, He will abandon you. For many years, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without instruction. Chances are, this is the period of the judges. <laughs> my, my, my friend David Higgs has been quoting a verse from the book of Judges very frequently. It goes like this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever he wanted. And so it seems in our theology today and how we perceive God, rather than saying, hey God, what does your book say about you? We do our own thing with God. We do whatever we want to with God. And frankly, we do whatever we want to with life. 
So it is, is what he's saying here. And, and those for many years, there was no true God. Basically saying this. There was no presence of God. There was no blessings of God. If there were words that describe our society and our world today, that would be it. Only in America do we live in a country where we put in our money in God we trust. And it's a lie. America's not trusting in God. Only in America do we get in trouble. And the first thing out of some politician's lip is, oh, God bless America. How can God bless America when he's walked away from America? How can God bless America when we've chosen to do our own thing and not his thing? You let a 9-11 come. You let something else happen. And you see Democrats and Republicans. And anytime you see Democrats and Republicans on, on, something, on stage doing something together, watch out. And 9-11, they were sitting there singing, God bless America. And it lasted about three days before someone started pointing the fingers. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. America is living without the presence of God and the blessings of God and the power of God because we walked away from God, folks. And can I be very candid with you? So has the church. So has the church. How else do you explain a, a place that has so many church buildings filled with so many people, but we are powerless to change our own society? How is it that church upon church is filled with people upon people, and yet we cannot bring change in America through the power of God? There is no presence of God. There is no teaching priest. I hope I've not been guilty of this. But God help me if I do. Today, there's a drought in the pulpit of the church. Preachers will tell people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. People, preachers will tell jokes rather than the truth. People will tell stories instead of the truth. Preachers are more interested in keeping their job than doing their job. There's a drought in the pulpits of America. So many pastors today will not say, thus saith the Lord, in fear that people won't come. Well, bless God, I think it's better to have ten people who say, thus saith the Lord, and believe, thus saith the Lord, than three hundred people who do not. There was no teaching priest. And there was out, they were without instruction. So we have an absence of the presence and the blessings of God. We have a drought in the pulpit. And you have people who hear the word and pastors who hear the word, but they don't apply the word. See, again, you know the fire is burning because it influences the temperature of the house. You know people are hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, and applying the word of God when you see a change in themselves and a change in their culture. The reason there is a 50% divorce rate in or out of the church is because our dictates, our society, it's not the Word of God. The reason homosexuality is being accepted in, our, in the churches so much today is because it's acceptable in society and we're not looking at the Word of God. The reason there's so many things that we look in the church and we see so much of the world in the church is because we quit looking at the blessed Word of God and start doing what people want to hear. God help us. The reason we forgot no happy day is because God is not working actively in our lives and our salvation becomes a date in history and not what he's doing right now.
Folks, may I use an old fashioned word? The church needs revival. The church needs revival. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh blowing of the Holy Spirit of God sweeping across the churches of America. On the bottom of your sermon sheet, there's a quote by G. Campbell Morgan that says this, We cannot organize revival, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon His people once again. We can schedule all the meetings you want, but when we set ourselves and say, God, do something big in our lives, and we simply get caught up in the current of God and go with Him when He chooses to move amongst us. There's an absence of the blessings of God and presence of God. There's a drought in the pulpits of America. He goes on and says, skip down with me please, to verse number five. In those times, there was no peace for those who went about their daily activities because the residents of the lands had many conflicts. Have you noticed the absence of peace in society? Have you ever seen so many people who have so much an abundance of money Hooked on drugs, hooked on this, hooked on that, and killing themselves because they discovered that money and drugs and sex and all of that does not provide the peace they're looking for. We live in a society today that does not know peace. I was listening to Rick Patino yesterday after the game. Did y'all see the Florida Gator and Louisville game? You know, and I'm from Florida. You're from you're pulling for Louisville. I was pulling for Florida. And I'm not even a Florida Gator fan because I think they're arrogant. But I am from Florida. Give me points for loyalty. But Rick Patino said this after the game. He was smiling. He was excited. He was passionate. He said, now remember, now this isn't the national championship. This just gets them into the final four. Here's what he said. Besides the birth Of my six children, this is the happiest day of my life. Hey, Rick, I want to give you a bombshell. If that's the happiest day of your life, you don't live a very exciting life. Too bad you've never had an exciting encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ where one day He washed your sins away and took your feet off the path of hell and put them on the road to heaven. Too bad you've not experienced the love of God where He shed His precious blood on the cross for all mankind. Too bad, Rick. Too bad. And by the way, I don't know if he's married or not, but I bet his wife felt really good about that. I'm telling you guys, listen. Why is it we can get so happy and passionate about something like that, but we can't get excited about Christ? We get excited about reaching out around this world and next door and telling people God loves them. That's what we need. That's what we need. There's a nation out here. There's a neighborhood out here. There's a city out here who's crying out for peace. And we know the Prince of Peace. And his name is Jesus Christ. See, I really think, I think the problem is, even we get confused. I know the world does, but we get confused. We think being a Baptist is the answer. That being a Baptist will give you peace. Having pastored for 29 years, the word Baptist and church peace don't normally go together. They, if you've ever attended a few business meetings, now ours are normally pretty good. 
But if you've been to business meetings when they have a knockdown, I heard a story about a true story about trustees went to blows over a matter in the church. They had a fist fight in the trustee meeting. Now, Joe, we've had some interesting meetings, but I thank God we've not hit one another. The church is not the, uh, the source of peace you're looking for. The Baptist faith is not the source of peace you're looking for. Doing this and quitting this and starting that is not the peace you're looking for. The peace you're looking for is found right over here on a cross like this. Where the Son of God was hung and the wrath of God was poured out on him. Because we, the Bible says, without forgiveness, are the enemies of God. We're aliens from God. And the wages of sin was death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And and that day, He made it possible. We're going to celebrate in just a week or so. He made it possible for me to have peace with God. And when I have peace with God, I have the peace of God. See, the peace with God, when I become His child... Introduces the peace of God. And that's what we've heard stories of when the F4 tornado streaks through our community. People have lost their homes. Some have lost their health. Some have lost friends. Yet those who have the fire burning in their furnace of God talk about this incredible peace. Some of them now reflecting back saying, you know what? Yeah, it was terrible that morning at 456. But I'm telling you, I have peace in my heart today. That God watched over me. That's the peace of God. Amen. Amen. Look at verse number six. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every possible distress. As a result, it's just that, that this world just crumbles apart. We have do, do we have global chaos today or what? You know the reason you're paying $5, almost $5 a gallon for gas, $4 a gallon for gas? You know why it's going to go to five probably? Because of the global chaos in the world in which we live. And, and gas is a blackmail device. Raise the price of gas. You want to know why there's wars on every corner? You, you want to know why the, the Muslims reacted such when we, when we actually burned the Koran and how an American soldier went nuts and killed, was it 16 Afghans, many of them children? Because there's global chaos. And the reason there's global chaos is because we have walked away from God. And I want to remind you, who's got the answers? The Christian faith does. God does. Jesus Christ is the answer. In fact, look at that. Go back to verse 4. I bet you thought I forgot it, didn't you? Look at verse 4. But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress... And sought him, he was found by them. But when they turned to God, he was found by them. David's another one of my favorite David words these days is the word repent. If we want the blessings in the presence of God again, then we've got to be willing to repent and turn from our sin. We've got to be willing as a church to turn from our sin. We need to ask the Holy... I tell you, I promise you, there's only, there's only a couple of explanations. But one of the reasons why every week we don't see the public decisions, one of the reasons is, is that we are totally oblivious to sin in our lives. 
We have so adapted our lifestyle to society that we've lost the burning passion of conviction when the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. We can sleep with another man's wife and go to church and somehow it doesn't bother us. We can lie and cheat our income tax and somehow it doesn't bother us. We can gossip and hurt one of our brothers or sisters with our mouths and it doesn't even bother us. We can talk negative and painful and it doesn't even bother us. And the reason why is we let the fire go down and down and down. And we need revival. We need revival. Hey, y'all over here, this group right here, we need revival. Hey, this group right here, we need, hey, hey, this group, how about that group right there? We need revival. Oh God, revive us again. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us, God. Revive America. Revive your church again. Because we desperately need it. If I were to ask a survey today, survey says, how many of you are so distraught over the path America's taken? You'd raise your hand. You want to blame the Democrats. You want to blame the Republicans. Blame sin. And then remember that we know the cure for sin. And his name is Jesus. I'm just asking you this. What kind of impact, what kind of influence is the church having on culture today? See, we, we can't get together. Chris got up on the night of that service and talked about coming together. We can't get together because we're too busy building Baptist kingdoms and Presbyterian kingdoms and Methodist kingdoms and, and, and non-denominational kingdoms instead of working for the kingdom and pulling together and winning Harrisburg and Illinois and North America in this world of Jesus Christ. We're too worried about what's comfortable for us rather than our uncomfortableness. We're more concerned about, is it too hot, loud, too soft, too hot, too cold, this group, that group. We're too worried about that. While people are homeless, people are lost and going to a Christless hell. May I say it again? We need revival. So what did Asa? Remember now, Asa is on the right track. Asa is a man that has brought reform. Look what happens in verse number um, seven. Azariah says, but as for you, be strong. Don't be discouraged for your work has a reward. Woo, that's worth it. That's worth it right there. Paul's time out. We do what we do because we love Jesus Christ. But there is coming a day of reward for those who faithfully serve him here. You may not get accolades. You may not get on the front page. You may not get on the news. They want, no one may know that you keep the nursery. No one may care that you changed my grandson's diaper this morning for the 47th time. The kid eats a lot. No one may know that. But you serve in that nursery for the cause of Jesus Christ so some young mama or daddy can hear the gospel or hear instruction from God's word. And there's coming a day, there's coming a reward where Jesus Christ will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter to the joys of thy Lord. There's a reward. He tells Asa, now listen, most of the populace may not go with you. It may seem like there's no reward, but Asa, every work has a reward. In Galatians, in chapter 6, verse 9, says this, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Keep on. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Don't compromise. Don't quit. Keep 
your fires burning. If you need to strike a match and start the fire and ask God to burn again within you, do it this day. Do it this day. If you, if you open the door of your furnace and there's some glowing embers, chuck in some wood. And today, if you find yourself in a blessed position where you open the door and there's a raging fire, chuck in some more wood. You see, your relationship with God is never stagnant. It's always moving forward. It's just that God meets you at your place of need. If the fire of the Holy Spirit has gone in your life, He's got a match. Come on now. He's got a match. If you open the door and there's, there's, there's embers there, He's got some nice dry kindling wood to throw on flame the fire up again. If you're in that blessed position, open it up and just like chuck a big old log in there. Because that's the kind of God He is. He will bless and reward what we do. He goes on and says this. When Asa, verse 8. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Obed, the prophet, he took courage. Now remember now, Asa's pretty much on target, but look what he does. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and the cities he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. Now this is really cool. He goes back through and does a little more house cleaning. See, we think if we're mostly okay, then we're okay. We forget every week we should ask God, okay, God, is there anything? We think if we're coming to church and tithing, you know, and not beating our wives, we're okay. We all ask God every week, no matter what the sermon's on, okay, God, is there anything I need to work on in my life? Students, you need to ask God that very question. Okay, God, is there anything in my life? I just finished Dare to Share. God, is there anything in my life? I need to work on, okay? Because there's always something that we can work on. Because our relationship with God is not stagnant. It's always on the move. Always on the move. So he removed the detestable idols. And he also did it, watch this, from the lands he captured. He spread his influence to a pagan area. The job of the church is to spread the influence of Christ across the land to even to pagan areas. That's why we go to Africa. That's why we went to Canada. That's why we go to Chicago. That's why we go to Haiti. That's why we go to Nicaragua. That's why we go across the street. It's because the influence of Christ needs to penetrate the darkness. The darkness. The darkness. He goes on a step further. He repaired. He renovated the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. He went back and repaired the altar. See, the altar is where sacrifices was made and worship took place. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the love of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. Can I ask you a question? What kind of sacrifices are you making in your life for the kingdom? If I would ask you to go home and make a list of the sacrifices that you're making for the kingdom of God, what would be on that list? And if I'd ask you because of your reasonable service or your spiritual worship, but if I'd ask you to list your services for God, what would be on that list? See, altars are for sacrifice and service. In church, we need to be sacrificing for God and serving the Savior we love.
we need revival. We've lost. And listen, just just for a pause out, because you're saying exactly how many cups of coffee did you drink this morning? Did you drink some of that eight hour energy stuff? Just in case, let me share this with you. I believe that in so many ways that Dorisville Baptist Church is so much on the right track. So you can count yourself as Asa coming back after you've taken down the idols, after you want a great victory in the name of the Lord, and the prophet comes to you this morning and says, Now listen, Asa, I want to encourage you, do more. Because we're not doing more, we're stagnant. And when something gets stagnant, it starts to stink. I'm telling you, I believe in this church, but I also believe this, that God has a role for this church and this community. We have not yet Fulfilled. And we've got to do it. We've got to. Dwayne, because we have to. Oh, so you can be a famous preacher? Oh, come on. So the kingdom of God will be glorified and people will be one to the kingdom. Those folks who are so hurting today will come to know the Jesus that we know. That's why. That's why. He goes on and says this. Verse 9, we move down to this worship thing. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin as well as those from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon, Simon, who had settled among them. For they had defected to him from Israel in great numbers when they saw that Yahweh, was his, his God, was with him. Now, this is so cool. He dry, he, Judah is the southern kingdom. I got that right. Yeah. Judah is the southern kingdom and Israel is the northern kingdom. Okay. He gathers Judah and Benjamin together. And calls them together to worship and sacrifice. That's what the church ought to be about. Worship and sacrifice. He calls them together and says, we're going to worship and we're going to sacrifice. That's what the church ought to be about. And that's what every believer in Jesus Christ ought to be about. And if we're not, we need revival. Jesse Smith said, let me tell you how to start revival. He says, you draw a circle on the ground and you stand in the middle of the circle. You look up and lift your hands to God and say, God, we need revival. Let it start with me. Don't start with Brother Dwayne. He's hopeless. Don't start with the deacons. We gave up them a long time ago. Hey, God, start with me. With me, God. I'm 80, but God, start with me. I'm 15, but God, start with me. God, I'm going to tell you something. If revival ever is going to come to Harrisburg High, it's going to come through you. It won't be a teacher. It won't be a teacher. It will not be an outward influence, Brent. It will be an inward influence. The hope for Harrisburg and the middle school and even the elementary school are students passionately on fire for Jesus Christ. Of course, our job as parents and teachers is to encourage them and lead them and to help. He gathers these people together. But did you see something else? Did, did you miss it? Let me read it again. As well as the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simon, or Simeon, who had settled among them, for they had defected to him in great numbers when they saw that Yahweh his God was with him. Ooh. They left the dead place. And went to the place where they saw there was fire. Hey, church, people go where God is. You want to see this church exploding at the seams? Just get passionate about God. 
Because the world's had enough of our religion. Come on now. They've had enough of our religion. But they've not had enough of our God. We need to be passionate. Hey, we need revival. We need revival. We need revival. Verse 10. They were gathered in Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 cattle and 7,000 sheep from all the plunder they had bought. Almero, the Ethiopian army, they took that plunder and sacrificed to God. And then watch. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their ancestors with all their mind and with all their heart. These folks who just come back off a tremendous battle by trusting God, these folks who are following a king who is doing a lot of things right, entered a new covenant with God and say, God, we want to serve you with all our mind and with all our heart. Now, what's the key word there? Did it say 70%? All. All. Ask you again. Let me ask you a question. What idols in your life have not been taken out? What is it in your life today that you love more than you love God? That's an idol. When, when he said in the Big Ten, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, what is it on your list, on your bucket list, on your life list that you would put above God? That's your idol. And he said, We got. We've got to love Him with all our heart and all our mind. So we're going to clear out the idols. Ask again, what's your sacrifice? What are you giving to God as a sacrifice? Powerful questions. That's what Jesus said. One of the scribes came. And having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that Jesus had answered them all well, he asked, Which is the first commandment above all? Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. What what did Jesus say? He said, if you're going to follow me, it's an all thing. You know, Chris talked about at the service, a y'all thing. Well, I'm going to tell you about the all thing. God wants all of you. I know I'm scaring y'all to death. I know that. All of you. He said, when you signed the contract, when you sealed the deal, when you said yes to Jesus, he told you up front. If any man's going to come after me, let him take up his cross. Follow me. He told you up front. Jesus is not a fire escape. He's not some magic pill you take so you miss hell and go to heaven. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He spoke this thing into existence and he's holding it together. He's God. It's an all deal. An all skate. Everybody in. Everybody serves. Everybody sacrifices. And we need revival. We need revival. I love this. Watch this. Watch this. 
I love this. In spite of where we are, in light of where we are right now. And the second, the guy asks for one commandment, Jesus gives him two. Jesus will always, always give you more than you ask for if you'll just ask. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. That's why I love Dorsville. I love this church. You know why? I've seen what you guys do. I've seen how over half our worship congregations come back on an August afternoon and minister to 630 kids. I've seen how people have cooked meals. I've seen how people come back. Some guy drags me over here and says, hey, man, you know, I want to help. And if you need some help with footings, let me know. I ain't charging. I just want to help. I had a guy meet my office and say, hey, I'm an electrician. If you have electrical, electrical, okay, electricity work. Let me know. I got some plumbers who say, hey, I can hook up pipes. Let me know. Nursing students come and, and go down and help tear down a house. I'm telling you, you want to know why I love Dorsville? It's because it's the heart of God. Come on. Would y'all just clap for that? Would you just, come on. There's so much. Please hear me today. There's so much as a corporate body we are doing correctly. But I know. I wish I could say every furnace is burning brightly. <laughs> I say, you mentioned something, Dave mentioned something about two weeks and 24-7. And there have been times when my embers got pretty dim. I know about him. I know about, I know about restarting a fire. Now, I know about throwing some, chucking some wood in. You know me. That's probably some people don't like me because I'm just so human, but I am who I am. So I, I've been there. I've done that. I know this. It's pretty warm and fuzzy when the fire's burning bright. And I'd rather have the fire burning than a few dying coals. When I was down there in Cobden, and we'd come home at the end of the day, and there'd just be a few coals. I, you know, I live with all women. Even the dog was a girl. And they'd say, Daddy, get the fire going. We're cold. And my first responsibility when I got up in the morning was go feed the fire. When we got out of vacation, the house was 46. Feed the fire. It's important that the fire be burning. And it's important in the church that the fire be burning. What idols are in your life? What sacrifices do you need to make? We need Revival. We cannot organize revival, but we can start ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? My greatest disappointment today will not be if no one comes to the altar because I've learned as a pastor, this is not, this doesn't really matter. We have a public place. If you want to come publicly, that's fine. But my greatest disappointment would be that if even myself or someone would say, nah, no. Guys, we're bigger than that. As a church, we're bigger than that. I know so many of us personally, friends are my friends, and we're bigger than just walking away from God saying, no thanks, I'll just keep it the way it is. I'm satisfied with a few embers in my life. I believe we're bigger than that. And I don't know what 
what it looked like, but I pray that God would send revival fires amongst us. I do have an idea. I, I know things already, like Asa, I see our public service. I, I see that, and that, that's, that's a sign that, that we're doing right. But in the area of relationships and attitudes and hard actions, those are areas I know we need to grow in. I know we do. I know we do. And God wants to use us in such a powerful way. And I pray we'll make ourselves available to Him. Because we need revival. And by revival, by the way, I don't mean seven nights in a row or five nights in a row. I'm talking about a movement of the Holy Spirit that breaks our heart and causes us to repent. And fuels the fire once again. Well, if you're here today and you're a guest, and perhaps this is the first time in a long time you've been in church, you may be sitting back there somewhere with your jaw on the ground going, holy moly. I want to tell you something. It was about, well, 1975, 37 years ago that I met Jesus. And I was like in church all the time before that. And I've been in church all the time since that. But the day I met Jesus Christ was the happiest day of my life. I had plenty of religion. I just didn't have any relationship. And I just want to pray and ask you as my friend today, if I've met you. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. He changes people. Just like the song said, he changes us. We saw a sign yesterday coming back from Evansville that said regeneration is a moment process, a moment in time. But transformation is a process of a lifetime. And that's true. We are forgiven, but then God spends the rest of our lives together working us, changing us, sanctifying us. But if you're here today and you've never met Jesus, my friend Brent, the guy in the red shirt, He's going to be standing right down front. I'm going to have everybody bow their eyes or bow their heads and close their eyes. Not about embarrassing you. But we, we, we want to tell you about Jesus. And I promise you we won't strong arm you. And I promise you we won't pressure you. But if you've got questions or you've heard enough to know that this is what you've been looking for, we'll tell you how you can know Jesus Christ today. And we want you to know Him. More than anything in the world, we want you to know Him. I won't make you a Baptist today. But I'd love to tell you about my friend Jesus Christ then a lot of us have. We've met Jesus. And to various degrees, whether the fire is out or there's embers or there's a roaring fire, all of us need for God to stoke us. We need revival in our hearts. Please just do this for me. As your friend, if I'm your friend, and as your pastor, if I'm your pastor, just don't walk out and go, nah, don't think so, Dwayne. Because, you know, this spiritual stuff, it's really God working in us. It's not us doing it. And all you got to do is say, hey, God, I know there's some junk in my life. Would you forgive me? There's some idols and there's some sacrifices I'm not making. Would you forgive me? And he will. He will. It's not like you've got to create the world. It's God working in you, not you doing it. All you got to do is make yourself available like Asa did. I pray you'll do that today. Now, Father, you're incredible. You're incredible. What you've done in this body of believers is just incredible. And it's just, we've not got a corner on the market. If we were in another church, there would be incredible stories about you there, too. 
But God, truth is, we're here right now. So thank you for what you've done. And I want to thank you for what you're going to do. For my friends here today who've never met Jesus, your son, I wish today would be that day for them. I wish you'd just put a burden in their heart and just draw them to yourself. That you love them very much. So much. That you allowed your son Jesus to die on the cross. That they could have forgiveness of sins. Bring them to yourself, please. Not because a preacher said so. But because they know that you love them. And Father, for all the rest of us who know Jesus, revive us again. Oh, hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Please, God, revive us again. And Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen.